You're listening to Once, Episode 82, Manhattan. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And we're missing Jenny tonight. But we are excited to talk about this episode, Manhattan, which I think probably my favorite episode of Once Upon a Time so far. I, the, the season one finale was great. The pilot was great. The season two um, premiere, <laughs> I think, was also good. But this one, I think really Manhattan was probably my favorite episode yeah it's hard for me to say because standalone it's definitely my favorite of season two i don't know if it's my favorite favorite but it's sort of the culmination of so many things and it was so well written and Mm -hmm. acted and very well produced the shots the music it was a lot of what made me love once upon a time to begin with yeah, the emotions in this were so strong and so well acted and so realistic, I think, too, with just the, the disappointment you could feel, the anger, the, uh, the everything going on with this was fantastic. Uh, I really, really liked this episode. So let's get into talking about this. Let's start with the Enchanted Forest. Rumpelstiltskin and Mila were happy, like really happy. It was yeah, great to see that. It was. She's still kind of fickle. <laughs> it's hard for me because I know what she was like later, but it was mm. nice to see them happy. Well, then again, Rumpelstiltskin later. This was a True. time that we've never seen Rumpelstiltskin or Mr. Gold like this. Right. Yeah, as the dark one, he had some kind of happy moments. But this is where he's genuinely happy. He's excited. He's looking forward to the future. Mm-hmm. He's ambitious. All of this stuff. And apparently not so cowardly. Yes. And he felt like going to the war, he was so excited that he was drafted into the Ogre's War that he he was seeing this as a way to prove that he's not a coward because of his father's reputation. Right. And uh, in that, we learned that he was uh, raised without a father and raised by spinsters. So that's where the whole spinning thing came from. Hmm. On the draft that he received, it looked like it was from Sir Wilhelm. And it said a, a Latin, I think, phrase on it, justus et fidelis. Probably butchered the pronunciation there. <laughs> and that translates to just and faithful. And um, is that a like a army creed or? Yeah, it was used on uh, certain things like coat of armor, a coat of arms. Um, certain family crests sometimes would use this. Uh, so it was kind of cool that it was on there. Hmm. And um, I don't think Rumpelstiltskin's father was someone important. You don't. Well, I mean, like, I don't think he was a significant character. I don't really think we're going to get a big backstory, but you think differently? Well, he may or he may not be important. I think maybe the story surrounding what they mentioned is important about um, saying that his father tried to abandon him, and they mentioned him several times. Yeah. 
in a way that just sort of made the story beg to be told a little bit. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even just, I don't know, there's a way you can phrase things that kind of sums up, well, he was a coward and that's all there is to the story. Or you can say, you know, <laughs> more. If you can say it in a way that's like, here's here are a couple of details even that don't sound cut and dried and... Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll tell you what the rest of it is later, or you can at least wonder for a while. I heard uh, from a few of our listeners thinking that maybe Rumpelstiltskin's father was the cowardly lion, similar to like Wizard of Oz that lacked courage. There's also the uh, cartoon <laughs> He's the uh, Lambert, lion. <laughs> Lambert the sheepish lion. What? You never saw that? No. Lambert the sheepish lion. Why Lambert. would you name a lion Lambert? It has lamb in the name. <laughs> oh, I- I don't know, but <laughs> certain things that I don't think we'll see that backstory, but there might be something there because we keep going farther back than we'd imagined. So it's nice to see this background to Rumpelstiltskin, see him as a happy person. He and Mila happy together. She was yet yeah, nervous about his going to war, but still kind of proud of him because of the fact that he was doing something courageous. And, uh, when he's at war, though, he sees that seer, and oh, just her voice was so creepy. Well, I was more creeped. Rumpelstiltskin. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's pretty creepy. But I was more creeped out by the scar, the three-way scar on her face. <laughs> I mean, she's a little girl. It was kind of disturbing. Yeah. A lot of our listeners have pointed out that this is very similar to uh, characters from Pan's Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen that, though. I haven't either, but I've seen the character now. (laughs) Creepy little girl. And just for clarification, this doesn't seem to be the same blind witch lady we saw (laughs) in The Thing You Love Most. I don't think so, because she didn't have any scars. Well, she had her eyes sewn shut, but not the scars oh, like across her face. I was thinking yeah. True North. And also, the seer in this Mm-mm. episode dies. We aren't looking basically the same as she did when she was a little girl. Right. Where did she go, by the way? She was there, and then when he tried to talk to her again, she was not in the cage. I'm thinking that maybe they just talked to her got the information, and then she escaped, or maybe she escaped anyway. Yeah, maybe. If, if she had escaped... They probably would have punished Rumpelstiltskin. Oh, maybe. Uh, except he wasn't watching her for that long, probably. Well, maybe. Well, I don't know. Maybe guard. the guy never came back from the front. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. huh. And the the seer was actually Rumpelstiltskin's first encounter with magic, it seems, that we know of. Maybe. And what he says to her is very ironic that he says this to her. He said... I won't indulge this dark magic, hmm. which then you know, jump forward 15, 14 years. He's like, throw it on the pile. <laughs> <laughs> the more the merrier, dearie. <laughs> hmm. That's true. And some one reviewer I read had hinted, well, not hinted so much as blasted them for ripping off the Pan's Labyrinth creature, but I have a feeling this whole eyes on the hands thing is a little older than this story or Pan's Labyrinth mm-hmm. because I've seen it done other places for for people or whatever specifically called seers whether yeah. the hand, whether the eyes are tattooed or drawn or whatever 
it's just kind of a thing, and I'm not sure where it originated. I did a minor amount of research and didn't really figure it out, so if anybody wants to shed some light on that. Yeah, come to think of it, I think there was another movie where it was like a tattoo, like you're mentioning, some mm-hmm. kind of mythical tattoo as someone. Um, Definitely in Doctor Who at one point. Uh, yeah, that might be what I was thinking of, something like that. But yeah, it's a common thing, just like you know, the Wraith was not borrowed from Harry Potter. There have been many other stories of wraiths or death eaters or whatever you want to call them, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They refer to the Duke in this episode who sent fresh supplies, horses, and the saddles. And I'm guessing this is probably the same Duke who, in the episode Desperate Souls, summoned the children to fight in the Ogre's War. Could be. If It seems like this is probably the same Ogre's War. Why doesn't he go fight? <laughs> He's got to be all dookie. You so know? we think this is the same war and it just lasted more than 14 years? I, I think so. Because... In the episode Desperate Souls, the soldier who comes to take the children refers to the fact that the Ogre's War has taken a terrible toll on the army, and that's why they're now recruiting children to fight in the Ogre's War um, by the Duke's command, because he's running out of soldiers after 14 years of Mm -hmm. fighting. Yeah, one would. Yeah. Especially if they all think that they go and they die, and that's it. mm -hmm. And, And that's... I I think that when Rumpel went to war, he knew that there was a big possibility of his dying, but he still wanted to be brave. What changed his mind was realizing he's going to have a son. His wife is already pregnant, and mm-hmm. he doesn't want that son to grow up without a father like he did. He refers to that near the end of the right. episode. It's, uh, it's kind of a back and forth in my head anyway, but there was an element of it that was somewhat the opposite of cowardly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think, I don't know. I haven't been in a situation like that, but I think it would take really take something to smash your own leg that way. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't so much for himself. It wasn't because he was afraid of dying. Right. It was because he was afraid of dying now that he has a son. Right. And and he said that later, that he pointed out, I did this so that he doesn't have to grow up yeah. without a father. So, in a sense, it was brave of him. In a sense. In a sense. <laughs> he still had a duty, <laughs> one could argue. Now, we got a great question in from Debbie saying, once Rumpelstiltskin became the Dark One, why didn't he heal his foot or his limp? And we know that as the Dark One, he walks around without a cane, no problem. But in Storybrooke, he walks with the cane. And even now that magic is back in Storybrooke and he can heal people, like reattaching limbs (laughs) and all of that stuff, he still walks with the cane. Right. Making me wonder, has he maybe healed himself? And he's just using the cane now for show for habit maybe he likes the style of the king didn't seem like it in new york anyway he seemed like he was actually leaning on it Mm -hmm. yeah true it could be i guess but i don't know that's a good question It, it could be an interesting surprise for him to at some point in the series just suddenly like throw away his cane and like he turns into the dark one again inside of Storybrooke mm. and he summons all his magic and power and he's he's fully dark one there Creepy. again. 
It'd be kind of cool to see that, though. Um, hmm. Yeah, well, in a sense, <laughs> I'd feel pretty bad for Bay, for example. Yeah. I mean, Neil. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Neil in Storybrooke or New York. Bellfire in Enchanted Forest. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Ish. Yeah, kind of. Gold didn't really adopt his new name that he'd known for maybe two minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Neil may insist, though. Now, I like that we got a better idea of how his prophecy ability works in this episode. That details are left out. Why didn't he get eyeballs in his hands? I think it's more the ability, not necessarily that the eyes are required. Ah, they should be. He should have had to have eyeballs in his hands. All right. Then again, why did that lady have her eye sockets sewn? (laughs) It almost makes me think they removed her eyes and put them in her hands. And they missed the first time when they were making (laughs) it. That's gross. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I think it's weird. I'm not. That's one that I'm not sure we'll ever know more about. And I'm not sure it's important. Yeah, probably not. But uh, so we learned that the, the prophecy ability leaves out these details. It's very vague. But something really interesting that the seer said is that in time, Rumpelstiltskin will learn to separate what can be from what will be. That makes me wonder if sometimes he sees possible futures, not the future that's just vague and hard to understand how you get to that point, but he might also be seeing possible futures. Yeah, I think probably. So I wonder how much better he's gotten at knowing the difference. Well, yeah, she said he can separate it. And if he's able to pick out details, like Emma will return on her 28th birthday. Nice pause, just like he did. (laughs) (laughs) And then the final battle. I was going to do the other line and I realized that doesn't apply here. Nothing can stop the darkness. (laughs) Hey, That reminds me that we got a great suggestion in from our listener, Danny Dubner, I believe, suggested that we do a different kind of contest this summer, this year, instead of a costume contest, do an impersonation contest where listeners can send in uh, preferably video or audio of themselves impersonating some character or maybe a whole scene of Once Upon a Time. (laughs) I love that idea. I'm going to work to try and make that happen because that would be awesome to see people bring out their their best Rumpelstiltskin or Evil Queen or anything like that. Maybe make up your own scene and Mm. do the characters. Yeah. Each individual could get their own point. Walking through the grocery store as the dark one. Or... What? <laughs> Not you, quite what I you meant. You get but extra sure. points, maybe, if you wore your official Rumpelstiltskin costume in the grocery store and talked like the dark one. I think you'd get extra points for that. <laughs> so then the, the scenes in Storybrook and in Enchanted Forest were very short in this episode, but mm-hmm. the biggest thing and we received a lot of feedback about this the seer's piece to the puzzle that she offers to rumpelstiltskin is this prophecy and she said you will be reunited with your son and it will come in a most unexpected way a boy a young boy will lead you to him but beware rumpelstiltskin for that boy is more than he appears he will lead you to what you seek 
but there will be a price. The boy will be your undoing. Now, do you feel like that really happened yet? Because initially I didn't question it, but I don't feel like it was that unexpected. I don't feel like Henry really did much leading. Well, it could just be the way it was written or the way it was worded. Yeah, but remember, details are missing. Details. <laughs> so, I mean, it could have been the whole last, what, year in Storybrooke that it kind of... Right. Bringing Emma, the whole thing. I guess some of that could have been involved. Well, you know, jumping to in New York, Mr. Gold did say to Henry that it was pretty much Henry's doing that he was here. Oh, and it was unexpected in that Emma already knew him. Yeah. And Henry was... I wonder if that's what she meant by he's not... He's more than what he seems. He's also your grandson. I wonder if it could be that simple... Maybe, or maybe he has magic in some way, or maybe he... Which I think we, I think we talked about that aspect, but now that I'm, now that I've seen it again, I'm trying to piece together what was new information and what was supposed to reference what we already saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult because we have to remember this whole thing of details are being left out. And as they're pointing out in the chat room right now, undoing is really the key word. What does that mean yeah does it mean death well it could but probably not right does it mean losing his magical abilities i'm thinking that's more the direction of Mm -hmm. it and there could be many different ways that this could happen Uh, like we received (laughs) some several feedback uh, messages on this point uh, from Erin J, she said, maybe Henry can't be controlled or killed by the Dark One, similar to Emma's heart not being able to be taken because of something having to do with his blood or his power passed down from Emma slash Neil more than he appears. Rumpel could try to kill Henry to prevent the prophecy from coming to pass and end up instead unfastening the Dark One's magic from himself. Or... For those who want to think Rumpel has changed, maybe Rumpel will not try to kill Henry and will truly love him as a grandchild and do something to save Henry, and that selfless act will strip him of his curse, which will make the prophecy come to pass as well. Either way, I think the prophecy is happening regardless of what Rumpel does. From Aaron J. Yeah, I, well, we're going to see this prophecy fulfilled in some way. And it's going to come in a way that we wouldn't expect, probably. Right. And I don't think he'll really try to kill Henry. I really (laughs) still don't, I guess. But I think they want us to fear that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bud Vander Kay from the new Once Upon a Time podcast that he started, Storybrooke News Report, suggested that maybe Henry might become the dark one. I, I, it's keep, a bit. I almost said that a minute ago. I keep. <laughs> it's out there, yeah. But. Oh, there's somebody in the chat room also just said that since he's like a quarter dark one, which maybe not really. <laughs> they said maybe he's the dim one. <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, thankfully, the dark one was not the dark one <laughs> when Bay was born. So that shouldn't be passed down even if it were possible but yeah with the uh if he decides now that he has this new allegiance to his newfound father mm-hmm. something could happen he could end up 
using the dagger. But that would still mean that gold Rumpelstiltskin can't really be on the show anymore. So I kind of doubt that. Right. I think he's, yeah, he's not going anywhere, probably. But there is something other uh, interesting that Inky pointed this out, but many of our listeners have sent in many family trees to us, and even Jenny was sketching a family tree earlier this evening of everything. And if you sketch this out, it's really interesting that Inky puts it this way. (laughs) It seems like all roads lead to Henry. That's funny because I always thought all roads lead to Rumpel. Well, you know, previously I was thinking everything leads to Emma. Now it seems like, <laughs> no, it's a little bit uh, deeper than that. Everything leads to Henry. Maybe. Be- because like before the curse was broken, yeah, things led to Emma. But then after the curse was broken, it's like now there's Belfire, <clears throat> who is also Neil, and he's Henry's father. So it leads down to Henry. So, I mean, this whole thing about there's more to him uh, than you'd expect. He's not. Well, it is interesting realizing now that Henry, his whole family tree, both sides from over there, not from this world. Yeah. Not, not his father, not his mother. They're both from over there. So there could be something interesting about his blood or his abilities or something because he has two fairy tale land parents, but he was born and conceived here in right. a land without magic. Parents from very different time frames, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And also parents who came to our world not affected by a curse. Right. And remember in the episode Desperate Souls, um, or no, I'm sorry, not Desperate Souls, The Return. Blue Fairy referred to um, Balefire as something like, I see you are not untouched by magic yourself. Hmm. So it's, well, it's possible. I mean, I maybe magic is like value. slightly radioactive and he somehow <laughs> caught a little bit of magic or touched by magic in some way. Maybe. So that times I mean, that was, Emma. Well, I think that was just a reference to his very touched father (laughs) yeah yeah that's true too and as uh, another listener jake points out it's really like a catch-22 with um to rumpelstiltskin from magic and bellfire what jake said is uh the night when neil fire which by the way is going to be what i'll call neil slash bellfire from now on that's what jake said disappeared through the portal mr gold ended up choosing magic over his son now that mr gold is reunited with his son he shall end up losing his magic i have a feeling that whenever he has magic he can't have neil fire whenever he has neil fire he can't have magic this is my theory from jake Hmm. i think that's a good point too it's that that classic struggle because we saw a very similar thing with with bell Rumpelstiltskin said to Belle that he values his magic more than her. Right. And that's why Bay went through the hole, the bean hole in the first place. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. That made me think of how he talks about it now, but I will get to that. (laughs) So, 
it was cool stepping back a little bit in Enchanted Forest timeline. It was really neat to see Rumpelstiltskin come home and pretty much go straight to Belfire and be so reassuring of Belfire. And he promised mm-hmm. Bay that he would never leave, he would never abandon him, but he broke his promise. Mm-hmm. And that's a promise that he regrets then for hundreds of years after that. Anything else you want to say about Enchanted Force before we move on? No, because I'm still stuck on the way Mila reacted. <laughs> yeah, that that was intense. That whole thing she said about you could have died. Yeah. Or, uh, just, you I, should have. Yeah, yeah, as like, like a I, suggestion. I get it, but at the same time... It's like if she ever loved him mm-hmm. for real and not just for her, I feel like she could have found a way to eventually move past that and have their family. I don't know. Well, she said something very similar in the episode, The Crocodile, which yeah. was about six or seven years later, that she also said to Rumpelstiltskin, you could have died as a suggestion of what he could have done in the war. And if he had, he would have died a hero. He would have been left a legacy of being brave, but his son would have grown up without him. And that's what Rempel was so concerned about. Yeah. Now, you know, statistically, talking about modern statistics here, children who grow up without their fathers are statistically more likely to commit crime. Hmm. Um, and it's... This show is really reemphasizing to us that importance of fathers being fathers to their kids and the importance really of both parents being there to raise kids. And uh, we see a lot of the struggles that come as a result of this because like Neil, when he came to our land, he lived a life of crime. (laughs) He's running away from his dad. He's having all of these uh, daddy issues and everything. (laughs) Which I actually did call, by the way. That's just, right. Just gonna just gonna point that out. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was there for us to find, but <laughs> and many people had called that Neil is Bay. Yeah. And back from when we first saw Bay, or yeah, when we first knew that the curse was because of Bay, we'd also started thinking maybe Henry's father was Bay. Especially when we heard things about like, oh, he died right. and right. firefighter and those little Whoa, never, and, never could figure out the firefighter connection. Well, I think that's a connection with Bellfire. Maybe. And fire. Not that she knew his real name. But. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But the writers could have stuck that in as just a like, hey, here's a little clue But for August you. did so much that he typed it on a typewriter stuck in a box. Yeah. Sorry. We'll get to that in a minute, (laughs) because there's a lot to talk about in New York. Most of this episode happened in New York. Most of my notes are having to do with New York, but we want to close with that because that's where the most significant stuff happens. So let's talk about Storybrooke next. But before we do, I want to thank uh, several people who have donated to make this episode of Once Podcast possible. Lori, David Newland, and Dina81 have contributed to make this episode possible, and we really appreciate your support because without your support, really, we would not be able to do this podcast. The server, the hosting, the website, the forums, all of that cost money and cost quite a lot now because of uh, all the traffic coming to the website. Mm -hmm. So we really, really appreciate your support. And uh, so thank you so much, Lori, David, and Dina81. We really appreciate it. 
And if anyone else would like to sponsor an episode, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Or if you're not able to outright sponsor, but you want to pre-order the season two DVDs or Blu-rays, you can do that. And if you go to oncepodcast.com slash season two, you'll be able to pre-order the DVDs or Blu-rays from amazon.com. And a portion of that helps support one's podcast. So we'd really appreciate it if you would purchase through that link. And that way you'll get your copy early and you'll be supporting the podcast and everybody will win. It'll be awesome. So thank you so much for your support and check out onespodcast.com slash sponsor if you'd like to sponsor an episode. So now let's talk about Storybrooke. Uh, Very short bits in Storybrooke and a little bit of crossover between Storybrooke and New York. Well, the little tie connection there with the phone call. But I thought from the beginning of this, when we saw Regina and Cora talking in Regina's house, Hook just seemed like obsessed with killing Rumpel. Well, yes. I mean, I could almost imagine him like crazy kind of obsessed. Yeah. He's tried once and been hit by a car, (laughs) which, by the way, was one of the first cars he's ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And yeah, he can't find his hook, which I think is funny. Mm. Yeah, he feels... A hook without a hook. (laughs) It's hardly a hook at all. (laughs) His identity is wrapped up in that thing. I know. Now they should just call him Stump. (laughs) (laughs) Well, later, it was funny that in the library scene, he had some kind of glove on with an artificial hand in it, and it didn't move. I was like, that's a great way to get off putting on the prosthetic, you guys. (laughs) I mean, what? Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) He's the only one left to not change his clothes mm-hmm. so he's well, still walking around in pirate garb i'm sure all the ladies out there appreciate that <laughs> well so uh, barrier regina also we learned a lot of answers mm-hmm. in this episode and i love that so we learned like how rumpelstiltskin's prophecy thing works we learned about neil and Bellfire, of course yeah and we also learn more about this barrier now this is stuff that we had theorized before but this is how regina explained it The moment either of us leave, we lose our magic and our advantage. Your memories? None of us were victims of the curse. It's not about memories. It's about magic. Well, I don't need magic. So, well, Regina and Cora both clarified that because they're not cursed, and we theorized this before, and Mm -hmm. we were pretty certain of this, because they're not cursed, they have no storybook personality to revert to. Right. So they can cross the line. Yeah, we kind of wondered for a while if even Henry or Emma might end up now with a fake story if they tried to go, (laughs) or at least somebody brought over in the curse. Like, well, basically, that just leaves Regina. I kind of wondered what would happen if she tried to go across, even though she never had false memories. I was like, "Eh, maybe she'll end up with false memories if she tries, but apparently not. So at least that's settled. Well, you know, and one odd thing to consider with this is Belle did not recognize the name Mr. Gold, which in her still cursed state, Jefferson told her, find Mr. Gold, tell him Regina locked you up. I feel like it's a crossing the line is a complete reversion. Like anything you've learned since your initial false identity imprint goes away. Yeah. So it's almost like maybe you could sit there and tell Belle all this stuff I almost wonder if you pushed her across the line again, if she'd forget everything all over again, Hmm. including what she saw and everything. 
Yeah. Yeah. Very possible. I, I think that does make sense. And that's probably Maybe what's should happening. do that. No. <laughs> Instead of a sedative, just tie a rope around her waist, push her across the line and pull her back. Oh my, you've got a lot of people <laughs> upset at you right now, Jeremy. <laughs> well, Email, she, feedback. <laughs> until she has her real memory back, she'd be a lot more peaceful not thinking about the fireballs and yeah, the healing and, and all that stuff. The creepy guy who keeps trying to kiss her and give her teacups and all of that <laughs> odd stuff happening <laughs> to her. <laughs> I, when Regina went into her hospital room later, um, I thought that Belle was going to say something like, do you mean that man that keeps or is obsessed with me or something like that? But she just, she doesn't know the name Mr. Gold or Rumpelstiltskin doesn't associate that with him at all. She doesn't remember any of that. So everyone loses magic when they leave Storybrooke. I really wonder, does Emma lose magic? Mm. Or did she have magic outside of Storybrooke? Yeah, that's always kind of been the question. Did she ever did was there was it ever said that she had magic or was it ever demonstrated before the end of season 1? Well, that I don't remember. That's the thing that we talked about a couple podcast episodes ago that maybe I think one of our listeners suggested this that maybe her manifestation of magic outside of Storybrooke is her ability to tell when someone yeah, is lying. Maybe. I think we thought that she did have magic because we thought she got Jefferson's hat to work because he fell out a window, there was a thump noise, and then he disappeared. But now they, the writers tell us he didn't actually go into the hat. Yeah. Just because we saw him later, that means he didn't go into the hat. Okay, right. that's cool. But it changes our whole perspective and the assumptions we had about whether she had magic in Storybrooke before the end of season one, because mm-hmm. apparently not. Right. Although she did touch the book and because she was starting to believe she suddenly got all these memories. So that seemed a bit magic. But then is it the book that's maybe magic it's the book. or, or maybe like it's, you know, like two <laughs> chemical things when put together, then cause a reaction. Has anyone ever tried blowing on that book? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's it's written in squid ink. <laughs> oh, squid ink. Please don't say squid ink. I don't like thinking about the squid ink. <laughs> so when Regina went to the hospital room, she uses magic to pickpocket Belle's purse. <laughs> it's so unnecessary. <laughs> but cool. And it presented the opportunity then for Greg to yes, record it, which it we did. never saw that doorway after she walked in. Mm. We Well, just a barely a corner of it not enough to see whether greg was there holding his phone (laughs) and the number on the card was 915.63 which we received several emails from our listeners pointing out the significance of this number but i really like this email that came in from trisha because trisha is a librarian and she said i wanted to let you know about the dewey decimal number that was on the the piece of paper Regina found in Bell's purse. 915.63 is the classification number used for books pertaining to geography or travel in Asia. One of our other (laughs) listeners had emailed saying it also has a bit to do with voyages. And you can see the books, and we'll have screenshots of this in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 82. But you can see the books are about travel, and like there's one about camping Mm. there too. Interesting considering... The most of Belle's backstory we've seen recently 
which obviously fairy tale land is not Asia, but there was a strong, dare I say, Asian esque yeah. <laughs> quality to where she was. Yeah, and in fact, that's kind of what Trisha recommend, uh, suggested. She said, "I think perhaps Belle put the map in the spot on the shelf where the book she used in the episode with Mulan would normally sit." Oh, interesting. That's from Trisha. Huh. I think that's a great suggestion there. That uh, yeah, what book was there? Probably something, maybe it's even just, um, well, it would have to be something travel related or about probably Asia. Yeah. So maybe something about uh, Mulan's land or a book about uh, where to travel to find the Yaguai. Yaguai. <laughs> so then Greg saw, captured this video and he sent it to her, the same her he keeps calling. And the phone does say, I got a screenshot of it. It does say emailing to her. Right. Yeah, I saw that. So I think it's reasonable to assume the person he's been calling this whole time is her. <laughs> someone who is concerned oh, about her. Him. Yeah. yeah. Who is her? And <laughs> maybe someone whose identity they're trying to hide. Or just maybe someone whose identity they're trying to communicate really doesn't matter to us. I think it'll matter. Maybe they haven't decided who she is yet, <laughs> other than someone attached. Now, see, we're all assuming she's like a wife or a girlfriend. She could be a daughter, a sister, a mother, this mysterious person who came to him from out of nowhere and sent him to Storybrooke in the first place. I don't, <laughs> I don't think know. a mother, okay. because in uh, the first episode when he appears, or yeah, when he makes that phone call, Actually, that's the second episode. So uh, when he makes that phone call, he says, honey, he calls her honey. And I wouldn't see a guy that old calling his mom, honey. (laughs) I wouldn't see a guy (laughs) of any age calling his mom, honey, I hope. So that's making me think it's a girlfriend or wife or maybe ex-wife. He's not wearing a wedding wedding ring. (laughs) Yeah. Fiance. Sure. Sure. Someone who's concerned about him and he cares enough about to call them back and explain what's going on right amber sent in an email with a concern about what might happen she said so gregory mendel sent that video to her and what if she sends it to some type of news outlet or twitter (laughs) (laughs) and it goes somewhat viral then since emma gold and henry are out of storybrook they would see a story of it on the um muggle news if you will (laughs) harry potter nerd through and through she said so anyways, they'd be forced to go back into Storybrooke to keep to clean up the mess of their exposure up, and Neil would most likely go with them since it'd be kind of a spur of the moment thing and he doesn't uh, and he wasn't done getting to know Henry. Yeah, I think that that could be something that happens. I personally like the idea more of Gregory being somewhere in that's going to help them to eventually sympathize with them. And then he'll help them by maybe helping the beans grow and he'll help them return. And maybe he'll get the opportunity to go back with them. Yeah. Like I said before, it's just such a long way from where we are Yeah, for this injured person. Who's astonished to start helping grow magic beans. (laughs) Mm. He'd have to stay there a long time. I would think. Yeah. At least a few episodes. 
or it could just play out a different way than I'm imagining, but he mm-hmm. might help without knowing what he's doing, I guess. They may at some point, like maybe the season finale, they'll suddenly skip forward three or six months or something. They could. I've said that for a long time yeah. that I thought that this season might not pick up right where season one left off. It did, but I thought it might skip forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, we might see something like Emma and Neil reconcile and then they're back together. They're getting married or something like that. And then Regina comes and says, I will t- destroy your happiness. <laughs> <laughs> my, my idea for season two was actually pretty epic. The finale? No, for all of season two. Oh. I thought <laughs> Oh yeah. I thought magic came to our entire world and suddenly everybody could leave Storybrooke and that maybe we'd skip forward a few months or a year and there'd be just this epic battle maybe happening in New York and mm. magic and who knows. They could but still do that. That could, could still, still be a cool storyline. <laughs> very, very difficult to manage that story. <laughs> I like that we got to see a better map of Storybrooke. In this episode, the only map we've seen of Storybrooke before was in the episode Hat Trick, and hmm. it was a rough to see map because we saw it from an angle. So I went in with my image editing oh, software right. and redistorted it, put it back vertical, flattened it out <laughs> so you could see it, and it was hard to read. Well, this one is a lot easier to see a map of Storybrooke then because Hook had this and he was able to overlay his pirate map on it. His pirate map, yeah, which. Uh, some listeners had pointed out was kind of cool that this whole thing about voyages and travel and stuff mm-hmm. and it's hook who helps them figure out the map and then ends up with section. face down with his feet stuck in a shelf of books <laughs> yeah cora so cora then shares her plan for the dagger and i want you to hear this and see what you think is this what it was all about Getting Rumpel's dagger so you can obtain his dark powers? If we possess the dagger, we control the Dark One. And when he returns to Storybrooke, we can command him to kill Snow White, Prince Charming, and Emma. Our enemies will be vanquished, and you will be blameless in the eyes of the only person who matters. Henry. So do you think Cora wants to be the Dark One? We theorized over this in our initial reactions. I think she wants control over that power, whether she's the Dark One or not. And I think that she is pacifying Regina to continue stringing her along and keeping her thinking that this is about her when it's not. Hmm. Not entirely. But also, uh, one of our listeners, Lucy, suggested maybe Regina is playing Cora. To find out her exact plans in Storybrooke. Could be. Because a couple of times, well, it's back and forth yeah. on Regina. It's like, is she really so... I don't know. Yeah. Um, Obi's girl had sent in a voicemail basically pointing out, why is Regina so flip-floppy? That was my word for it, not Obi's girls. Honestly, like when she went went and was talking to Belle after she made her unconscious... She, there was almost a hint of sympathy when she was like, you don't know him now, but you did. Mm. She looked like it was regrettable. Mm. Possible. I don't know, because I see Regina's motivation for trying to be good was always just for Henry's sake. Yeah. So now she has an alternative way of getting Henry back. 
an alternate way. Mm, yeah, but I mean, does she really get him back just because she has custody of him? Really? I mean, does, how, did that plan even sound plausible to her? <laughs> yeah, well, if Rumpelstiltskin, who he's gone on this trip with, suddenly, for some reason, kills his whole family, surely Henry will blame him and not Regina or Cora. Of course, mm. that's how it will go. He would never suspect. Are you kidding me? Then again, remember what Rumpelstiltskin, Mr. Gold, said to everyone. Well, uh, Emma, Henry, and the two idiots. He said that if anything <laughs> happens, that's Regina's words. I'm not calling them idiots. If anything happens to Belle while he's gone, he would kill all of them. Which right. makes me worry. Maybe yeah. Cora's going to make something happen to Belle. May well, oh, or maybe. Her, well, you know, could be. Mm-hmm. I still don't think it would be that plausible, but it, I guess it's true. Speaking of the two idiots, which I wouldn't normally call them that. But why were they sitting at home, maybe having coffee or something, sorting out the family tree instead of searching (laughs) this tiny, tiny little town for Korra? As they already pointed out, how hard can it be to find a powerful sorceress in a small town? Yeah, they, I don't know, they needed a break probably, but... (laughs) (laughs) Probably. I I think... Maybe it was just one morning. All this dagger searching just happened in one morning, and they just hadn't gone out the door yet. That's all it is. They may be... Well, this is the day after that. This is only the day after Emma and Henry left. Probably. Or this could be even the same day. But um, all of this uh, conversation happens everywhere on the internet about the family tree and i love that they brought this into once upon a time as well (laughs) so rumpelstiltskin is henry's grandfather apparently (laughs) but i'm his grandfather you can have more than one (laughs) i love her so his step grandmother is regina the evil queen actually his step great grandmother and she's also his adoptive mother Good thing we don't have Thanksgiving in our land, because that dinner would suck. Uh, Or maybe this will mellow everyone out. (laughs) The the missing line there is, and she's also his adoptive mother. (laughs) And my adoptive mother. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, which we got a great email, and this is a very long email, but uh, I won't read all of it. But this is from Laura, and I'll just read a short excerpt. Just to give you an idea of how complicated this is that she has in here, let's pick Charming. She names Charming, Regina, Snow, Rumpelstiltskin, Hook, uh, someone else, Cora, and Emma, and their relations with everyone. So here's, just for Charming, this is what Lauren figured out. Charming is Henry's grandpa, possibly Rumpel's brother-in-law, actually it would be step-brother-in-law if Neil is Bellfire, which... She sent this early, so now we know that for sure. Charming is also possibly Rumpel's grandson-in-law, if Rumpel is Regina's father. Rump, uh, Regina's stepson-in-law, Snow is stepdaughter to Regina. Possibly Cora's brother-in-law, because of Bay might be Cora's son. I don't think so on that one. Ew. From Well, this, this email was written in before we saw manhattan so that's why she's thinking what maybe about Bellfire's con- yeah that's why oh. she doesn't she didn't know that for sure oh. now we do for sure sure um he's also half cousin-in-law to henry 
He's Bay's half-nephew-in-law and Emma's half-nephew-in-law. And she went through all of these characters I mentioned <laughs> and points out what they are, who they're related to. And there are family awesome. trees all over the place to explain this. And yeah, it's really complicated stuff. And I'll have that full list, by the way, that you can read and marvel at in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 82. But I do wonder if Emma's or Mary Margaret's question is something that might play out that maybe it will mellow out everyone. Some unlikely because well, this whole thing about maybe Rumpelstiltskin wants to kill the person that is his undoing. Now he realizes that Henry is his grandson and we saw some bonding between Henry and Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. Manly bonding. Plus it's still, at this point, it's his best chance of reconnecting with his own son mm-hmm. because now there's a reason for Neil to want to be possibly in Storybrooke, but at least to maintain a connection to anybody in Gold's life. Right. A strong or, connection, a strong reason. Yeah. Or just to be there for Henry. Well, exactly. Because of Henry... It's not just disappear into Manhattan or some other city on Earth and right. with no real chance of finding him again. Mm-hmm. And uh, as our chat room is pointing out, Aaron said that she was shocked that Gold didn't know Bay was Henry's dad. And Why? I'm I'm not too surprised because Rumpelstiltskin had no knowledge of what was going on outside of Storybrooke. Mm-hmm. He only knew where Bay was. So the surprise factor, yeah, that that makes sense that he doesn't he didn't know how connected everyone is. So that means yes, Rumpelstiltskin got Henry, but I think the only w- reason Rumpelstiltskin got Henry is he had someone outside of Storybrooke influence mm-hmm. that, and I'm thinking that was August. It very well could have been August. It could have been, unless they're going to start running a strong thread of fate through this show, which seemed to be. Currently, it's the going explanation for Emma and <laughs> Which, Neil meeting. Yeah, that's that's a real hot-button topic that we'll get to in just a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, last thing I wondered with the whole thing of Storybrooke is what are Emma and all of them going to come back to? Uh, what will happen if Regina finds the dagger? Like, will she be able to control Rumpelstiltskin from where she is inside of Storybrooke? Or is it only once he comes back that he can be controlled? Uh, Will she become the Dark One? Will (laughs) all of these questions. It's funny how many questions were answered that were all wrapped up in one person, as we suspected. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, actually, we've always wondered how Rumpel was injured. We got that. Mm -hmm. But we also have wondered for a very long time, where is Bay? Who is Henry's father? And this season, who is Neil? Yeah. But really, yeah. Were they all the same person? Now we know, yes. Well, in a very real sense, so much of everything that happened is because of Bay. We, at the beginning of season one, it seemed like everything happened because of Snow and Regina. Right. Regina wanted to curse Snow, and because of that, this whole dark curse. But then partway through season one was when they started showing us that's not the true arc. The true story arc right. is Rumpelstiltskin's search for his son. Which, to some extent, is now over. 
So there are a few things left, but where do we go from here? Well, I think this new story arc, is, a couple new story arcs, are strangers coming into Storybrooke, that possibility. Uh, I think the Korra story arc is going to wrap up probably in the few episodes before the finale, so. or maybe she's going to be killed by the in the finale. You think she'll be killed? Yeah. Killed or maybe banished somewhere. You don't think that next season will be about her redemption? Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> and, I hope I'm kidding. <laughs> and maybe this new story arc that they might continue into season three. We're trusting that season three, that uh, Once Upon a Time will be renewed. But maybe oh, the new yeah, maybe the new story arc will be going back to Storybrooke, to right. um, Enchanted Forest. I'm hoping, not that I wouldn't be happy with that but i'm hoping that there's something still like we can the story will start to pull back more and we'll start to see a bigger picture mm-hmm. and that rumple and the search for bay was still just part of what's going on could involve the other worlds too because of what henry pointed out about um, dr whale is there and he's not in the storybook at all so what other characters are there that's right. another thing that they may carry into season three more and right. maybe some characters were thrown outside of Storybrooke when the curse brought everyone here. Hmm, I don't know about and that. So they could be somewhere else in the world. You know, random things, uh, not completely related to this episode. Anything else to say about Storybrooke before we move on? No. Big thanks to several people who left reviews for us in iTunes. Um, let's see if I can pronounce these names right. CL Man Clark, D the Farmer. <laughs> I eat paint from the United Kingdom. <laughs> well, all right then. Let's hope not very much and not lead. Hermione Granger, which was actually okay. Jacob, who his what? sister created the account for him. So he said that in a separate voicemail. Oh, um, there's a lot of that going around. <laughs> Yank S. Rory. Uh, Nathan Royo from Brazil, who wrote his review in English and in I guess Spanish. Michael Humphrey and CCA3340. Thank you so much for your iTunes reviews. They're really encouraging to see those and it helps other people find the podcast as well. And uh, we love knowing what you guys think of the podcast as a whole. If you haven't reviewed our podcast yet, or if you'd just like to go read these reviews and mark them as helpful, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. And in the chat room, they're correcting me too. Spanish didn't seem right. Portuguese is the language for Brazil, not oh. not Spanish. Oh, it was. I was thinking of that review we received uh, oh. last week that was in Spanish, and right somehow carried that over. <laughs> so let's jump over to talk about New York City. New so York much city, <laughs> so much happened here, and right from the beginning, I was trying to figure out if there was significance to this. Will sound ridiculous. The sewer grate. Well, it was funny. I was wondering too, because it's like, of all the places the cab could have stopped, he has to step on that. And he even kind of corrected his foot. I'm thinking there's probably nothing significant, but it was odd. Well, the reason why I wonder about that is because there's this kind of emblem on the sewer grate. That looks like slightly like a fish or something like that. I'll have a picture of it in the show notes at onespodcast.com slash 82. It so you means can see fish this. live in our sewers. Please don't dump other things in it. <laughs> That's not true. 
But I think it's probably meaningless, but it did <laughs> just stand out to me <laughs> I, that there was this uh, fish-looking thing oh, on the sewer grate. I just thought it was really inconvenient. And for a second, I was like, is this his first time stepping onto a street and a street curb? And I was like, uh, well, he's lived in Storybrooke. It's not that rural. Yeah. So I don't know what that was. And it's kind of carved into the grate. It's uh, first time in a big city. Mm-hmm. They were all wearing either scarves or shawls. So yeah. that was nice. <laughs> they all matched. <laughs> the taxi ID was 4X58. <laughs> of course it was. really doesn't mean anything <laughs> I can think of. No, it probably doesn't, but that's okay. Obi's girl sent in a voicemail asking a good question. How did Gold know the exact address? Well, that globe with the misshapen continents and the big giant statewide blobs of darker color was actually far more precise than any of us could mm-hmm. have guessed. Emma even referred to it. She kind of teased Gold a little bit by saying, didn't the magic globe show you which apartment number? Yeah, and <laughs> Gold said it doesn't work like that. And uh, I think that's because kind of like with Google Maps, you can zoom in and get more precise. <laughs> Maybe the closer they got to where Bay was, the more precise the spot on the globe was. He had to so- prick all 10 fingers to get that <laughs> level of detail. And then he was done and he couldn't get the apartment number because he had no more fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the apartment number, 407. I like that Michelle Moreno from uh, on Facebook commented on this to let us know. The number 407 is the area code for Walt Disney World in Florida. Oh, funny. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome little tie in there. I liked the whole treatment of that whole spot in the show. And by that whole spot in the show, I mean the going into the apartment and the approaching the building. We've seen the building before. Really, the whole thing from from buzzing through the chase and everything, it was like they didn't expect it to surprise everybody. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't played like it was going to shock the entire audience. They knew that we knew, partially because, hello, first scene of the season, they showed us Neil in New York and gave us a sign he knows about Storybrooke. So yeah. they wanted us to kind of figure this out. But it was still clear that it was a shock to Emma. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know. I just, I really was happy with the way they handled the whole thing. Even down to the soundtrack, it wasn't too, oh, what a shock. It was, it was more around, oh, the moment is here and it's shocking to Emma, but you already knew. <laughs> Jenny, in our initial reactions, had pointed out that she really liked the music track. And after the oh, podcast, right. I can't remember if she did say that in the podcast or after, but after the podcast, we went back and rewatched part of Tallahassee and heard some of the same music. So this music was playing while Emma was chasing this person that we didn't know who it was, but the music kind of gave Quote, it away unquote. because it was the same. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, when they were in the apartment pressing the buttons, I took a screenshot of the different buttons and I really laughed when I found that in room 304 is R. McDonald. Okay. <laughs> and then some of the other names, I couldn't really uh, figure out if there's anything significant. They're probably some of the cast and, well, maybe not cast, they're probably crew. Yeah. Except for R. McDonald. Maybe he was the food supplier. Unoccupied. Why didn't Emma go for that one? Well, because... Oh, wait, that one you were just on, we're looking at a screenshot right now, way zoomed in. That name... M. Trance? That doesn't say trance. It says, 
I don't know how to pronounce it. Trains. I oh, T-B-A-N-E-Z. T- B- oh, I-B-A-N-E-Z. I think we've come across that name before. Oh. I think it's in the credits. Oh, yeah. I'll probably I, laugh when I see who it is. They've put stuff like this on before, like the, the Mysterious Island book from the episode 715, as well as last episode, Tiny, that Bell was reading, was um, has names on it of cast and production crew. Well, production crew and set designers and uh, prop people. Yeah. So these other names could be like that too. So you're welcome to look at these names. We'll have the screenshot in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 82. And the chat room is saying that this might be a uh, lost reference, which, yeah, some of these names, I wouldn't be surprised if they're lost references as well. So when they uh, are about when they're looking through all these names, Gold again points out that he traffics in names, which is an odd way to put it. Yeah. We've always known names were important to him. And we knew that more so simply because of the story of Rumpelstiltskin, mm-hmm. like the traditional story. But he, it hasn't seemed that we've ever figured out exactly why or seen any great detail as to why names are important to him or any example of him trafficking in names he asked for the names of things that were stolen or the names of owners of things that were stolen for him by jiminy mm-hmm. he and, mentions names he referenced names references and, names but it hasn't really been apparent why and the whole emma thing Mm-hmm. That he wrote down her name so many times on that parchment so that it would stick. And those feel like potential clues that there is more to the story that we haven't even started really asking about yet, which is yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Well, hinted at in the pilot episode when that right. guard said, if he knows your name, he'll have power over you. Yeah. But we've never seen that demonstrated. Right. And I think that goes back to the original Rumpelstiltskin story, which I'd love to see the whole Miller's daughter and Rumpelstiltskin mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah, we might we might see that at some point and get an idea of the whole names thing, why that's important mm-hmm. and everything. And maybe some of that simply has to do with the way he perceives the future. Ah. Maybe, the, maybe yeah. names come out or something. I don't know. That's possible. Yeah. Very true. Could be a detail that, yeah, once he then hears the name, then it's like, ah, you're that one who's going to do this and this and this and all of that. When Emma then runs to find Neil and catches <laughs> Bail him. Bail person. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's good at that. She is good at finding people. But she confronts Neil in so many really deeply emotional ways. And here is one of them. Did you know who I was, where I was from the whole time? Was this just some sort of sick, twisted plan? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think this is going back to that feeling that she had in the episode, um, The Queen of Hearts, when she discovered the parchment with her name all over it, and she felt like Rumpelstiltskin manipulated her and manipulated everything and used her, and that everything is by his design for her life. Yeah. And uh, that comes out then a couple times in here. And this conversation that they then had in the bar, uh, 
is what bothers a lot of people. We got a very passionate response in our forums about this, where someone said even that once upon a time is dead to them because of this whole thing about fate. Are you telling me that us meeting was a coincidence? Because how did that happen if it wasn't in your plan or your father's? Think about it. He wanted you to break the curse. Us meeting that could have stopped it. Maybe it was fate. You believe in that? You know, there's not a ton about my father that I remember that doesn't suck. (laughs) But he used to tell me that there are no coincidences. Everything that happens, happens by design. And there's nothing we can do about it. Forces greater than us conspire to make it happen. Fate, destiny, whatever you want to call it. The point is, maybe we met for a reason. Maybe something good came from us being together. Not that I can think of. Now that good thing is Henry, but this does bring into question the whole thing. Uh, This poster in our forums, it was actually uh, Malcor, who was very passionate about this, um, (laughs) brought into question the suspension of disbelief. Right. And that is a good question because this just seems like far too convenient of a coincidence that the savior would meet the son who the whole curse was designed to find the son. Yeah. Right. Convenient. Uh, maybe, maybe it's my years of lost watching that (laughs) make it not seem quite so far fetched because I had to get used to a lot of that kind of thinking watching lost. Yeah. And with the obvious connections, it's not completely out of the question that that's as far as that goes. And also just consider that great stories come from unbelievable circumstances Mm -hmm. or like, you know, these things that we would call coincidence. It's like, wow, this is an amazing story that this person just so happened to be here at the right time, the right place with the right skills and abilities, whatever. And I think that was the case with Emma. Now this might be something that they bring out later that maybe and this could go to the idea that maybe Henry is far more powerful than we realize, but maybe there's some way that fate or magic or something kind of (laughs) brought Henry about by bringing Emma Mm. and Neil together. Uh, Something else I thought of, and I participated in this forum post on our site. Something else I thought of is in Lord of the Rings, the ring is referred to many times as kind of having a will that it wants to return to its master that it's deceiving people, that it is drawing itself, it's calling for its master, all of that kind of stuff, that the ring has some kind of will of its own directing people. And that's far-fetched too. And yeah, they can use far-fetched elements like that, but this is, after all, a fairy tale story. Yeah. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) And saying that the fairy tales are real and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So... Seems unbelievable, but I think makes for a great story. And that's what why this is possible is because this yeah, is... Uh, I'm not super concerned if they don't explain it beyond that. Mm-hmm. But if they do, that's cool too. <laughs> <laughs> also, as Emma is then chasing down Neil, Mr. Gold and Henry have this... A great conversation. And a couple interesting things come out in this conversation. Uh, first is this interesting little clue about Neil's age. 
Well, my son's been running away for a long time now. Now I have a feeling he's equally adept at it. Running away for a long time. Well, he knew that. Yeah. But I have a feeling I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I have been a an opponent of the whole Neil is Bell or Neil or Bellfire is Peter Pan idea or the whole idea that he went to Neverland. Oh. And I'm still an opponent of it. I really don't want that to happen. I don't see how it's possible. But there are some things leaning in that direction that I really don't want to happen. And I've got a great email from Aaron Jay that I'll read in a little bit that uh, has some great evidences. And I still don't like the theory, but I'm starting to hope I won't be wrong, but I think I might be. But we'll talk about that more in a minute. Uh, Also in the same conversation during this kind of bonding time, Gold thanked Henry. Thank you. For what? Well, if it wasn't for you bringing Emma to Storybrooke, none of this would have come to pass. You are a remarkable young man. In fact, you are not what you appear. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you know, I forgot to mention... As Emma is getting up to leave from the bar, you see more clearly than maybe other times that she was wearing black and white stripes, which she was also wearing in Tallahassee Hmm. when she was with Neil before, which I noticed probably primarily because it sort of looks a little prison (laughs) garbish. But whether that's the reference... Whether it's that simple, I don't know. There were there were several themes, at least a couple. There was that little bit of a wardrobe visual cue back to her first time with Neil. And I actually thought of it when they first showed her wearing it as they were getting ready to leave. But the other thing I noticed wardrobe-wise is that there's a lot of red and black. And not even just mm. wardrobe, but the way scenes were set up, there was a lot of red and black. Very prominent yeah. And she's still wearing that keychain. Right. As a locket. And I wonder if she was lying when she said, I wear this to remember to never trust anyone. I think she was a little bit. Well, or, I don't know. <laughs> or was she? Yeah, it could be that or it could be she still had feelings for him in some way. I think it was that she was telling the truth because if she still loved him in some way, then this conversation probably would have gone differently. Well, why take it off if that's really why she wears it? Then again, the reason that this conversation happened the way it did is that she now realizes the whole big picture. If she had found Neil again before the curse took place and before she knew of all of that maybe her response would have been extremely differently and she would have been more like um i'm so glad i found you again and all you know more Mm. loving ish maybe but she still feels abandoned by neil maybe and uh, also in the bar scene (laughs) a little lost reference oh yeah the giant 23 over the bar (laughs) (laughs) One of our listeners had also sent that in, um, and we'll have a screenshot of this in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 82, but the number 23 is 
a lost number for 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. That's mm-hmm. very familiar to people who watch Lost and some of the writers uh, worked on Lost. So nice little tie over there. I don't know if that was probably intentional. Well, I'd say so. Mm-hmm. It was pretty prominent. When Henry and Mr. Gold were outside and then even stepped inside talking about how the future seeing ability works and having that whole really honest, open conversation. I think doing a little bit of bonding there, I found that place where they are on Google Maps. It's actually in <laughs> Vancouver. They filmed this in Vancouver, and that's very understandable. Um, but that place, they were right next to the Terracotta modern chinese and that's a real restaurant on alexander street in the gastown part of vancouver bc oh i'll have a link in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 82 where you can actually jump to that spot and see it in google earth that's kind of weird because there was a building that they showed when emma was chasing neil that i thought was a recognizable building right like New York recognizable? Yeah, well, I had seen it before, I was pretty sure. It's a very it's kind of a wedge-shaped building. I saw it in another movie hmm. a long time ago and I so I assumed it was really New York. But maybe not. Apparently not. I thought they actually went to Manhattan to film. No. Oh. They did most of their well, they did for the premiere episode. Oh. When he was in walking through new york okay because a lot of people did say that is actually new york city he walked on this street people who live there recognized everything um but this they filmed in vancouver and they uh i'll have a link to this and you can see the restaurant in front of which the um, hot dog stand was and bale's apartment right next to it so i have the link in the show Mm -hmm. notes at oncepodcast.com slash 82 and then, you know, Emma makes light of the whole Pinocchio told you thing. During that scene, when Neil is explaining everything to Emma, we saw the typewriter with I know your Balefire written on it. <sighs> and remember, yeah. in the initial reactions, I said one of our listeners predicted something very similar. Yes. So let me read this email. This was from Fee, uh, P-H-E-E, on November 6th, 2012. <laughs> we had no idea of what was going to happen in this episode yet. We didn't even have an episode title from Manhattan mm-hmm. yet. All we had, this was right after Tallahassee had aired when we saw the box for the first time. So here's what Fee said back then. I believe that the item in the box is the same typewriter we saw in it in Storybrooke. And she attached a picture too. And she said, uh, you can see the curved shadows of the typewriter and such. And I posted that in the show notes for Tallahassee. And she said, which I believe are the curved edges of the typewriter as seen in the screen to capture also from 7.15 a.m. But why would seeing a typewriter convince Neil that August could be trusted to be telling the truth? I think there was a page from Neil's story in the typewriter, and I think Blue Fairy slash Mother Superior put it in there. (laughs) Side note, I believe that Blue is the author of the book and that she kept all of her memories when they came to our world, which great theory, by -hmm. the way, and one I'm leaning toward. Fee continues, if we go with the assumption that Neil is Bay, remember, this is back in Tallahassee episode when we first saw Neil mm-hmm. and Emma together. 
if we if he saw a page in the typewriter that said something like my father he is a he is the dark one said balefire sadly oh i can't make him the man he was before replied rule gorm but i can send him some place where he won't be able to use his powers that's something that neil slash bay wouldn't be able to question the legitimacy of it was a private conversation that he had with blue back in the day and as such would be an indicator that she was the only one who could have sent august to see him so what august said could be trusted and neil must follow his orders awesome prediction very Mm -hmm. close to what actually happened well done i mean in that it was still the typewriter it had something typed on it that had his name and obviously gave Neil a reason to listen to August. Mm-hmm. And now we learn that that's as simple as it was. Just, I know your balefire. Oy. Now, I was hoping for something more like picture of the dagger, the dagger itself, maybe even. or All you had to do was call him balefire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they wanted to keep us in suspense. Yes. And use the typewriter again. Which, you know, that brings into question, did August write the book? Is the typewriter somehow magical? Where did August get this information? Many of these things, it could have been... Yeah, maybe he can open the box and show it to people and it has whatever (laughs) he needs to have typed in there. Maybe he didn't know that before that moment. Hmm. Well, he did, but I don't know. But then the question (laughs) comes up, how did August know? Yeah that's true how did he know my theory and we've received several emails kind of going along with this my theory is that august has been storybrook before i think august is also the one who got henry to storybrook which is why regina said there's something familiar about august i don't think she said that because she remembered pinocchio as a little boy i think she said that because she had seen august 10 years before oh would she not Oh, that's right. You said that, but yeah, that was in season one. I would think she would remember why. Maybe, but maybe, but it could be a long time, and maybe the curse thing still slightly affected her. But <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but maybe Blue Fairy was somehow protected by the curse because remember in the episode "The Stranger," she said to Geppetto, "I and the other fairies need to go make final preparations for the Queen's curse." What preparations? Maybe writing the book, maybe somehow protecting themselves. But I think Blue Fairy, because of her connection to Pinocchio Mm -hmm. this whole time, I think she somehow was able to help Pinocchio or August when he came to Storybrooke. Maybe she was able to contact him, get him to Storybrooke, tell him this information. Maybe she had him write the book, then leave it there in Storybrooke. And she told him, about Balefire, because who else knew about Balefire? She's the only one, the only character we know of, other than Rumple himself. <laughs> Old enough and well-traveled enough to know all the stories. Yeah. Hook knew about Balefire, but Hook hasn't shown up until now. Back, right. You know, around now. Right. And why would he be writing a book so detailed? <laughs> and he wouldn't know everything else. He would know about the old stuff but then he's primarily uh, presumably been in Neverland since then. Right. Now, along with this, let me read this email from Aaron J of evidence 
that Neil is Peter Pan or maybe a lost boy. Now, this I am very skeptical of this. I've said that many times before. That I just can't see this happening. But the way that Aaron J presents, or I'm sorry, it was Slurpees 108. The way that Slurpees 108 points this information out, I think she presented it very well, and it's very compelling. This is a long email, but let me read this to you because she has some great information here that she pieces together. While this theory, she says, while this theory is not original to me, I think there is growing reason to suspect Balefire is also Peter Pan. In The Return, the Blue Fairy instructed Balefire to follow the magical being to wherever it would lead him, which could have been a land without time, rather than a land without magic. As a direct consequence of Rumpel breaking his deal, Balefire would have thus been lost and so gone to Neverland, not aging until he eventually flew to our world. That would explain how Balefire only looks to be about age 30 today. Now, I think Balefire actually looks a little bit of the same age as he did in Tallahassee. That could just be makeup thing. Well, or maybe he I has something. Because he's that, the age he is, and they yeah. didn't make, go out of their way to make him look super young in Tallahassee. Maybe. Well, I'll, I'll but mention it was. more on this in a moment. It, it, uh, Slurpees 108 continues. In Tallahassee, Captain Hook said Emma had the same look of abandonment in her eyes that the Lost Boys had. This was the same expression of pain Balefire had in Manhattan when he said to his father that abandonment is worse than regret. Also in Tallahassee, when Neil suggested that he and Emma create a home together, Emma jokingly said, like where? Neverland? In her own sarcastic way, I doubt this was a throwaway line, and I think this is a huge hint that Balefire slash Needle is also Peter Pan. Now, to counter that, in the episode The Doctor, they threw out, intentionally threw out lots of hints to mislead us thinking that the Doctor was the Wizard of Oz. Right. Unless he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, the episode, though, said that he wasn't. Well, I mean, it said that he was someone else. He could still be. He could be both. Yeah. We are both. Uh, in <laughs> the out- people have been both. In The Outsider, Captain Hook asked Bell a, rhetor- a rhetorical question regarding Rumpel's lost son. What makes you think his son wants to be found? I'm doing that boy a favor. I believe this is a clear indication Captain Hook and Bay had met before, more than once in the tavern in the Crocodile when when, uh, Bay was just a little boy. Mm -hmm. I believe Captain Hook was alluding to the idea of Balefire as Peter Pan in Neverland. There there were also several hints in Manhattan that made me think Neil Fire (laughs) could also be Peter Pan. Rumpel said his son had been on the run for a very long time, suggesting Rumpel had been tracing Bay ever since their deal was broken. Mm, maybe. There. That's uh, mine. There's just maybe. There's one big hole in the whole thing. When Rumpel and Balefire <laughs> were finally reunited, Bay said he'd suffered from nightmares for more years than Rumpel could know. That's the line that really stands out to me as it well. It stands out to me as well. Both of these statements suggest Balefire has been alive for centuries, not aging, which could only happen in a land without time where boys never grow up. I would say, or if he was somehow enchanted with magic. Yeah. (laughs) Finally, when Rumpel offered to turn back the clock and make his son 14 again, remember 14 is how old he was Mm -hmm. when he got stuck through the magic bean hole. (laughs) You chuckle every time I say that. Bellfire exasperately exclaimed, 14? I don't want to be 14 again. Are you insane? Neil likely spent centuries stuck in perpetual adolescence and probably had to work really hard to grow up by staying in our land. 
These are just some of the hints that support Balefire being adult Peter Pan. Thanks for the continued amazingness, amazingness that is Once Podcast. Sincerely, Slurpees108. That's, it's a really amazing, intricate theory. So well done. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think it's a much easier story to tell and maybe makes a little more sense that the Blue Fairy gave him a bean to take him to a land without magic, and it did just that. And it took him there, as we've theorized before, at the same point in time in our world that the curse brought everybody. Yeah. Different location. He's 14 in a world, not just a city, a world he's never been in. Mm -hmm. He has no way to survive necessarily but crime. So he starts stealing things and doing what he has to to survive. And he just turns into the person that he is today and the person that he was when Emma met him. Hmm. It's, it, the only problem with that is the more years than you could know yeah that's the problem because that makes me wonder if he hmm. but i still feel like he'd be, he would have been on this earth in this world for that long right coming up through the now how you go through that many centuries on earth and you don't end up more than a street-dwelling thief in New York, I'm not sure. I would think you would have some chance to make something of yourself if you just don't die for that whole time. I don't know that his age could have been frozen, though, because wouldn't Emma have felt really creepy being with someone so much older than she was? Yeah, unless there was some way that his age was frozen up until a certain point, and then he did start aging and caught up with emma right um yeah i don't know well we know hook was in neverland and the the mention of maybe that boy doesn't want to be found that could just be hook's interpretation of he's got this terrible father maybe he doesn't want to be found i mean that that could easily be said it's very understandable to make that connection and make that assumption or hook making that assumption but it could also be here's a crazy idea the traditional peter pan story has Uh neverland connected to earth right you just fly and you make it to neverland maybe hook while being in neverland came to earth like heard from smee that hey rumple has a son that he lost in a land without magic and while they're in neverland they realize hey we could sail our ship to this land without magic, find Bay, find out information about the mm. weapon, whatever. I mean, that's that's a bit far fetched. It is, and it isn't at the same time because I I feel like it'd be stupid to say, basically, for the blue fairy to go, huh? Magic Bean didn't really go to a land without magic. Oops. Yeah. So I feel like it had to bring him here, but if somehow he went to Neverland from here. I could accept that. And then we could see, you know, that story could be Bay. They could pick whatever time period they want. It could be the traditional time period, like maybe even London. It could be, you know, close to the story, the original or the traditional Peter Pan story. Or it could not. They could put him wherever they want and he could still, they could show him there Mm. and they could show him go to Neverland and it could be cool. Yeah, I could. I could see now I'm starting to think I could see either thing. Don't happening. know if I would say he's Peter Pan. Right. 
I really don't want Balefire to also be Peter Pan. But I'm thinking, you know what? I have, I've been so negative against this theory. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm going to say this in the podcast. I've been thinking about this, and I'm willing to, to make this bet <laughs> or whatever. Wager. If Balefire ends up being Peter Pan, I will drink a cup of coffee. And people oh. who know me know, I mean, Jeremy, you know what that's saying. Well, me. you mean not black a, coffee. Not a latte. Not a latte. Black coffee with sugar. Okay. I, I need to be, at least be allowed sugar. Should I make you drink, say, <laughs> Folgers or Maxwell House? Or should we make this a really good cup of coffee? Uh, I don't know. But I hate <laughs> coffee. But I'm willing that if... I'm wrong on this Neil is not Peter Pan thing. And, and many of the listeners who are theorizing, I, we get these emails, I think probably once a day, we get an email from someone with an explanation <laughs> of the theory of how Neil is Peter Pan. If this happens and I lose, I will drink a cup of coffee okay. that I absolutely hate. And I will admit I was wrong. You guys were right. And you have to say I'm a codfish. <laughs> yes, I will, I will do that. <laughs> It'll be fun. Now, I'm sure a lot of people, even who don't want Neil to be Peter Pan, are now like, I want Neil to be Peter Pan. <laughs> uh, yeah, some of the character stacking sounds far-fetched, but Rumpelstiltskin is Rumpelstiltskin. He's also the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. He's also the stinking alligator. I mean, mm-hmm. crocodile. I always get those mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> in Peter Pan, he's who knows what else. It could happen. Mm-hmm. He's Alice, not really. So let's jump back to the realistic perspectives okay. of things. Yes, realistic, this show definitely. So in Neil's apartment, we now saw Neil's apartment from many different angles <laughs> and saw more things in the apartment. Some really interesting things. The number 13 appears in many places. He even has this big poster well, with the no number 13 wonder. and the Grim Reaper on he it. He needs to get rid of that stuff. It's unlucky. <laughs> He also has a Brigadoon poster. Don't and Brigadoon, Brigadoon um, is a story and made into a few movies of a village that uh, the like preacher, pastor of this village was so disturbed by, at least this is the movie that I saw of it, um, was so worried about worldliness seeping into this village that he prayed that God would protect the village. And the way that this happened is that the village... Every night that they go to sleep, they wake up, and the village is 100 years later in time. So every night, the village jumps 100 years. That's very interesting. And so he had a poster with Brigadoon on it in his apartment. It made me wonder, ooh, could this be a tie-in that maybe Brigadoon <sighs> is another world? Oh. But then again, I don't want to think about this thing of Neil going to different worlds. Hmm. He could have. He what, never, if, what if it's him though? What if he, what if he jumps or something? <laughs> what if he gets old? He didn't make any reference in this episode <laughs> to having traveled to different worlds or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But he did make reference to more years than you can know. Which right. twenty eight does not sound like more years than <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin no. can know because Rumpel is older than twenty eight years old. Clearly, well, well, and even no, I think that would be more. You don't know how long I've been alive. Yeah. Which is weird. Maybe he gets old and he resets or something. Hmm. Uh, Some of our listeners also pointed out, and we've got a whole forum post with things uh, digging apart what's in Neil's apartment. I'll link to that in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 82. 
But uh, some other things, when Henry was looking around, there were um, four decks of cards. Four decks of cards. That's kind of excessive. (laughs) But also taped or magnet stuck to this um, file cabinet that has the number 13 on it, or just above that, I believe, was an ace, king, queen, jack, and ten of clubs. Royal flush. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Something possible. Mm-hmm. And they were in that order, too. Cards being most recently before that scene in connection with Cora and sort of Regina. Yeah. And obviously, traditionally with Wonderland. But there was no Queen of Hearts in no this. No other queens, though. Yeah. And the um, Dreamcatcher was in there. Which the first time we saw that green dream catcher was another reason for us to think maybe Neil is Bay because maybe he's having bad dreams and when he mm. heard about this he kind of thought oh maybe this will work his response apparently to that not. and yeah apparently not but you know we and several of our listeners called it back then also of saying this is an indication maybe he's having nightmares about losing his father and all of that that happened which he said that he was and. That whole family reunion, wow, the emotions were tense. Yeah. But the acting, I think, was so great in this episode Mm -hmm. with all the emotions everyone was feeling. And uh, the conversation that Neil and Mr. Gold have with each other, um, three minute, (laughs) which actually someone timed it and said it times out two minutes and 45 seconds. (laughs) But that could just be because they had to edit things out for the show to fit it in. Or maybe just Neil was 15 seconds eager to cut the conversation <laughs> short. Yeah. In that three-minute conversation, Neil said to Mr. Gold, you were once a good man. Well, yeah. So even though, and all that Bellfire knew of his father was when Rumpelstiltskin was considered the village coward. Right. So, he never cared about that. Yeah. Even then, he had respect for his father. Mm-hmm. And you know, this whole time, he was talking against, like saying, Dad, you don't have to become the dark one. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do this. I will go fight in the war. His son was being brave uh, and respected his father, even though his father was a coward. Mm-hmm. But Rumpelstiltskin's paranoia messed up all of that. Yeah. It's true. I thought gold drawing on some of the things that Bay hated about him mm-hmm. was a little odd. Just even to get the conversation. I mean, he was using threats of an unfulfilled deal with Emma yeah. to kind of convince him to even talk, which I guess it worked, but it seemed like an odd tactic given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Also in that conversation, when he said something about, you chose all this crap instead of me, <laughs> that, he does this hand motion. Yeah. That, what did it remind you of? Rumple. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever Rumpelstiltskin is like touting his magic, he does this. I didn't think he did that so much in those days, but maybe, I guess, obviously he did. It's funny that you mentioned all that crap because he Neil said that twice. That seems to be his term for magic and fairy tale land and everything is all that crap. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> the Which, last go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that's usually how 
some people might refer to city life. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> the last thing that really stood out to me is, well, this big issue of Henry. And so Henry now has some resentment toward Emma, but forgives, forgave Neil. And now what's going to happen with Rumpelstiltskin and Henry or Mr. Gold and Henry? They're going to bond their family. Maybe. <laughs> I, I think so. I think, I think Gold is going to fear Henry and see Henry as a way to get to Neil. Mm. Maybe want to love Henry, but he's going to fear him. I, I posted a theory in our forums on uh, Monday morning as I was thinking about it overnight. And I heard that I wasn't the only one with the theory. In fact, I wasn't the first one with the theory. Uh, Colleen Roney over at the Once Upon a Time fan podcast shared this th- same theory that um, now though I'm thinking, uh, I think I want to go back on my theory. But <laughs> it is that uh, questioning whether... Henry is truly that boy that was prophesied, or was it maybe August instead? That makes not a whole lot of sense. But my thinking for that was because the first time we watched Once Upon a Time, uh, this episode, before I got to rewatch it and look at the actual transcript or the, the subtitles and everything, I thought that the seer had said something about a boy will beat you to him. Like, oh. will will meet him first oh no but no she said lead, lead you mm-hmm. to him so as soon as i realized that then i started thinking oh well maybe it's not oh, august okay but what made me think august and very similar to what colleen pointed out in the once upon a time fan podcast their first thoughts episode uh was this idea that well august is more than he appears because he's he was originally a wooden boy. Or is he less than he appears? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But now I'm thinking, uh, that's probably not true. It probably is Henry. Makes more sense for it to be Henry. Yeah, it probably is. It could still not be, I don't think, August. But, yeah, it wouldn't be the first show I've watched where you spend a lot of time thinking that some prediction that references a boy means one person, and it actually turns out to mean another. Yeah. But then again, the future is fuzzy. It's a puzzle. It's difficult to read. And all of these Especially descriptions for people we heard. whose eyes are in their hands. <laughs> so, uh, Jeremy, anything else that you wanted to mention about this episode? There was a lot of varied and interesting artwork in Neil's apartment that I'd mm, like to know more yeah. about. Particularly whatever weird thing was over Rumpel's shoulder while they were talking. That was a strange one. Yeah, one of the posters, someone in the forums had said uh, they could only make out the word accursed on it. Interestingly. Yeah. I I don't know where Henry's going with this whole you're just like Regina thing. He's kind of got a little bit of a manipulative streak, that child. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's just because he is a child, but he also acts older. So he has childish responses. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But they carry more weight. And overreacting. He's 11 years old now. Mm-hmm. And all of that. I don't know where we're going to see this go. I think but, Emma looked like she had a slight twinge of something when Neil expressed a desire basically to 
protect Henry from the same things that they'd all suffered. Yeah. She agreed. She had this look in her eye like, like just the beginning of the breaking of the ice. Hmm. I think we're going to see Neil come back to Storybrooke and try and start a life to help influence Henry, mm-hmm. uh, to try to be a father to Henry. Because we already saw in this episode, he suddenly like wants to be a father and apologizes to Henry. And he even says to Emma, you know, he's my son. I should, I, we make these decisions together, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think he's going to become a regular for a while maybe end up sacrificing himself a couple listeners had sent in some ideas that maybe uh, neil would sacrifice himself like maybe rumpelstiltskin or mr gold would try to kill henry like shooting him or something and neil would jump in front of the bullet Mm. and save henry i don't i just can't see that happening for any apparent reason Mm mm-hmm yeah, I don't know. Well, listeners, we would love your thoughts and theories on the episode Manhattan. Now, here's the thing. We're finished talking about the episode Manhattan for the podcast. So if you want to share your thoughts and theories, please go to our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums and sign up there. It's easy and free. And you can post your theories and comment on other people's theories. Or you can comment on the show notes for this episode if you want to respond to something specifically that we shared here by going to oncepodcast.com slash 82 and leave your thoughts and ideas there on what we shared in this. Now, Once Upon a Time is on a short, very short hiatus, so there won't be an episode this Sunday at, uh, that's the 24th of February. Once Upon a Time won't be back then until March 3rd. But we're going to have a couple of cool things for you in the podcast feed. For one thing, Jenny and I are going to go review the movie Jack the Giant Slayer. And we're going to get to see it early, but unfortunately, we'll be under embargo. So we can't release our review episode until the weekend that it opens. So you're going to receive a few episodes of the podcast pretty close to each other. And then also on January, I'm sorry, February 27th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, GMT minus five. We're going to have a second Once Upon a Time podcast roundtable with other podcasters. We've got uh, Bree from Other Side of the Mirror, Anne Marie -Marie de Simone, and Bill Meeks from Greetings from Storybrooke, uh, Bud Vander Kay from Storybrooke News Report, and Rebecca Johnson from uh, Operation Cobra Podcast, and Karori. Taki from the After Buzz Once Upon a Time TV After Show. And also, I'll be there from One's Podcast, and we might have some more join us as well. So it will be a lot of fun. It will be live on Google+, Plus, so you'll be able to watch it. And we're probably going to open it up so you'll be able to join us, ask us some questions, and then watch all of us Once Upon a Time podcasters fight over different answers and opinions (laughs) and stuff. Seriously, someone will probably throw out, hey, what do you think about Neil being Peter Pan? (laughs) We'll argue over that. But it will be a lot of fun. It will be live on Google Plus and YouTube. And I've got information about it over at oncepodcast.com slash roundtable. Oncepodcast.com slash roundtable, where you'll be able to see the date, the information, get the links and all of that to be able to watch and participate live on Google Plus. And that will be awesome. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, GMT minus five on Wednesday, February 27th over on Google Plus. 
Check it out at oncepodcast.com slash roundtable. And then we'll be back on March 3rd with our initial reactions on um, the chat room for the live show. We have our chat room open at, well, it's always open, but we chat (laughs) during the episode, during the Eastern and Central Time airing of Once Upon a Time on Sunday nights. Then we do our live initial reactions afterward at 9.15. And then on Wednesday nights, we normally record our podcast at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time, GMT minus five at oncepodcast.com slash live. So that's a lot of information, but really just go to one place, oncepodcast.com, and you'll be able to find all of this information, connect with us, subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already, get these new this uh, information, the announcements, the news, the roundtable, all of these links over there at oncepodcast.com. We'll have some spoilers after the podcast ends. So after the music, you can stick around for the spoilers from Hunter if you'd like to hear those. Or just once the music is done, you can stop the podcast and you won't be spoiled then. Please follow us on Twitter. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and you can follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle or follow the podcast on Twitter at Once Podcast. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me at twitter.com slash fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And check out the website over at oncepodcast.com. Please leave us ratings and reviews in iTunes at oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. And remember, grab a cow so at least the ride to doom will be a soft one on your backside. (laughs) And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to the sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Hi, Hunter Hathaway here, and it's spoiler time for the Once Podcast. The next episode, The Queen is Dead, will air on March 3rd. It is directed by Gwyneth Horder Payton and written by Daniel T. Thompson and David H. Goodman. Neil is back and he could be more than just Rumpelstiltskin's son and Henry's father. He tells Emma that this wasn't his first world that he came to and he knows Hook from long ago. Hmm, wonder who else he could be. We all know the plan that Cora and Regina have to find the dagger. But once the Charming family finds out, they, along with Mother Superior, try to find it first. Mary Margaret is at Granny's and tries to talk some sense into Regina, but that doesn't seem to work. Hook plans to rid himself of the crocodile, but it looks like it brings Rumple and Bay closer together. In past fairy tale time, the Blue Fairy offers Snow White an unconventional enchantment that could help save her dying mother, Queen Eva. Rena Sofer, Leslie Nicole, and Sonequa Martin-Green all make their once debuts. Now, looking at a future episode, so how did Regina get Henry as her son? We will soon find out when there is a flashback in a future episode as to why she wants a child and how Henry came to her. I mean, there has to be a reason why it was Henry and not some other child up for adoption. Thanks for listening. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'll be back soon with more spoilers for you. Thank you.